With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Celebrating their 20th year in radio broadcasting. With views not heard in the news. The International Taz and Paula Show interviews experts from all walks of life, bridging research and personal life journeys, revealing new ways to unleash life with a passion of a heartbeat. And now, here's Taz and Paula. Ooh, good afternoon to everyone out there. Our guest today, Dr. Kim Bloomer, certainly has us cornered and our ears are perked because he's going to be talking about our favorite subject, animal talk wellness, and what our precious love animal companions need for longevity and robustness. Kim Bloomer is a certified animal naturopath as well as being certified in small animal nutrition and with years of experience in animal health. Dr. Kim is a published author, writer, blogger, co-host of Animal Talk Naturally, and co-founder of the American Council of Animal Naturopathy. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Dr. Kim Bloomer is the author of Animals Taught That and co-author of Whole Health for Happy Dogs and Essential Oils in Animal Care a naturopathic approach, and co-host of the radio show, Animal Talk Naturally. Well, Dr. Kim Bloomer, you just tickle our hearts today because you're talking about the ones who we love dearly, our pets (laughs) and animals. Thank you. I'm really honored to be with you guys, and I'm always happy to talk about animals. Well, um, Dr. Kim, can we call you Dr. Kim today? (laughs) Oh, that's what Uh, I go by. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or just Kim. You can call me Kim. <laughs> okay. Okay, Kim. Um, could you ex- explain to our listening audience exact, exactly what a, veterinary, uh, what a veterinary naturopath is? And I usually say animal naturopath only because people get confused and will think that I'm a veterinarian and I am not, and we are very different. The same way a naturopath in human health is very different from a uh, medical doctor. And the fact that we do not prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but we do health assessment and guidance. We're kind of like a coach, a an encourager to help a pet owner be empowered and take the steps that they need to kind of unfetter themselves from the conventional medical paradigm. And while we do need them, for especially in particular for emergencies, certainly I don't think for proactive health. So what I simply say to people is that we are, we, uh, the animal nature paths are proactive and focused on prevention, building health, and promoting health. Well, veterinarians are treating disease. 
and that's typically just the difference in the training. So we're going to focus on health and not disease, even though most often when people come to us, they're coming to us with very sick animals, and often, um, and unfortunately, after they have gone the conventional route and they've been told that there's nothing more that can be done. And I would say that the veterinarian would probably be correct in that assessment given the tools that they're given to use with versus the tools that we use. Well, you probably start out with uh, actually nutrition and, and vitamin supplements to keep your pet healthy from, you know, for the maintenance part. Is that correct? Well, what I and I don't even focus on supplements that much unless it's a whole food approach. They are definitely necessary nowadays, just because we're going to go all the way to the soil. So I'm looking at all animals, right? We're going to start with the soil and how rich the soil is, then how rich the vegetation is, how rich then then healthy the herbivores will be, and then the omnivores and with the carnivores at the top of the food chain, which is what I focus on is the carnivore animals, then. It it all it's all that whole circle of life. We could go back to the Disney movie, you know, you know, with the the Lion King and that whole circle of life is really true. So what I the approach I take is to first educate them on the laws of health, which is nutrition as the foundation, and then they need and it needs to be species appropriate. And animals do not cannot cook, so we focus on raw for all. And then um, from there I teach them that exercise is also not optional. When you, any of the laws are left out, then they all topple, kind of like a domino effect. So exercise, again, is not optional. Water needing to be pure without chlorine, fluoride, and all of the other usual suspects. Um, and they definitely need sun. And the sun is not bad. Sunburn is bad. Suntan is not. So this is how I equate that with the animals. They know when to get in and out of the sun and not bake themselves. So if they have access to shade, then they're going to go in and out as they need it. Um, And then that's where the supplements come in as well. So I will focus on a whole food approach um, supplement when I'm talking with clients. And then they need everything done in moderation, including exercise and exercise. then they need pure or fresh air as much as we can get, and I won't go into all the politics of what's happening with that, but um, definitely we do need that. And then rest, and I usually suggest to my clients that they get rid of all the electronic contrivances that prohibit them from having deep sleep and darkness. So at least cover them up something, you know, to um, modify tone down, eliminate the electrical magnetic fields that's interrupting really good and deep sleep. And last but not least, trust in the divine, trust in those laws of health because the biggest factor that I have in overcoming are those, you know, the first law and the last law, and that first law is nutrition. They bulk because humans have a tendency to make nutrition about themselves and not about what their species of animal of choice needs. And then lastly, they get afraid and don't trust in the process that's happening in their animals' bodies as the toxins are eliminated and as they begin to get healthy. They think, "Uh uh-oh, we're seeing all these symptoms. We must run and get medications to take those away. Symptoms are there as a roadmap to show us what's going on to get to the root cause. 
And then secondly, when they are beginning to heal, those symptoms can be magnified. And again, it's just simply showing us that the body's doing what it needs to do. So my job is to not only be a cheerleader, but to help them face the fear and walk through it so that they're not any longer afraid. So I think of myself as part of their fear removal process so that they can embrace and understand what health really is because we have not in modern society been allowed to really notice and recognize what health is. We see disease and treatment as health nowadays, and that's really not true. Hmm. How well, You said something rather interesting. You said something about covering up an animal or you know, uh, so that they're not affected by all the um, wireless right. computers and that kind of thing. How does one really do that? Yeah, it's really difficult nowadays. I, In my own home, I have um, different things that you can use. I use grounding mats with my um, dogs. They each sleep on a grounding mat. You guys have heard of earthing. You know, the earth yes. has its own. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so even the earth has its own magnetic pole. So use a grounding mat on my bed, a grounding mat on theirs. I cover up anything that's got electrical, you know, the clocks and everything. I cover them up so every the room is dark. Our curtains are dark. So everything is dark and more like it would be if we didn't have all this stuff. Um, there are things you can uh, put in your home to minimize, like plug-ins that you can use that will minimize the electrical magnetic field. Um, there's a lot of it. It's so in the forefront now. I remember when I first started this, nobody was understanding it, but we it's becoming more and more known. So there are even bracelets that humans can wear, and they're making these same things you can put on your dog's collar or your cat's collar. Um, if they don't wear collars all the time like mine don't, then that's going to be a challenge. So there are other things you know you can do. There are even um, certain kinds of rocks that you can use and that will offset that whole electro, electrical magnetic um, field in your home. There's so you could Google this and come up with a ton of information on that. So, you could almost wow, find each corner of their of their uh, house, maybe or something, huh? Yeah, there's all kinds of things you can do. It's it's a little different for the outdoor animals. I think a little more challenging just because we have that whole electrical magnetic field um, being interfered with with cell towers and so forth, and it is affecting um, the the livestock animals greatly in a lot of areas, especially where the towers are. So I was living in an area that had you know cell towers and and high wires and everything everywhere, and I felt the difference in my body when I moved from there to the home we're in now. So, you know, much more open and away from all that. So, yeah, My dog sleeps right in front of the television. Oh, (laughs) yeah. So I guess I better stop that. You hear of cats doing that, getting right on the computers and stuff, too, and I'm always like, eek, I can't believe they're doing that. I diffuse essential oils as well. And again, they help the ne- you know put the negative ions into the air and so forth, as opposed to other things. People use salt lamps. I do that as well. So there, you know, I do a multitude of things, and also have plug-ins and so forth that will offset because I'm on the computer a lot. So it affects me. It affects my animals. I don't think it's going to be perfect, no matter what we do, unless we just live off grid. Um, well, the lucky thing about animals is is that they don't have shoe padding like rubber right <laughs> on their exactly foot right yeah i mean they can go out and and uh Just play on the grass and, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i know we need to do that we need to barefoot more don't we 
Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, how did now, this big picture develop for you with animal wellness care, and, and when did it just start? How, how, how did this all come about for you? You know, when I was one of those children, was, uh, when I was growing up, that I think I probably said dog, horse, cat before I said mom and dad. So my my focus was always on animals and always has been. And, you know, I'm the person at the party who's playing with the cat or the dog and everyone else is having participating in the party. So I remember having health issues growing up, particularly with my lungs. I was a preemie, so health was always an issue for me. I was a very athletic child, but still had health issues. And Parents didn't mollycoddle sick kids when I was growing up, so that was a good thing, too. You know, we were outdoors, and I ate the mud pies and did all that stuff that helped build my immune system, Um, (laughs) (laughs) naturally. And I remember I was really sick for three weeks once from school, and I was eight years old and frustrated that I was home and still sick. I remember saying, I want to help people. I said animals first. Animals and people be well. Eight years old. And that never changed for me. Back then, the only option in health for girls was to be a veterinarian. I did go to work in veterinary medicine as a vet tech. I was, you know, and worked for several clinics and worked in that field for a while. Grew very, very frustrated and, quite honestly, very jaded because I never saw well animals. I only saw them get sicker and sicker. And I think the only well ones I truly saw were puppies and kittens. Um, As they would come back in as they got older, it was always the same things, lots of skin issues, lots of, you know, allergies and different issues, and just always something until ultimately, you know, we were euthanizing them um, in their older years, and some of them not so old. I I saw a lot of things working there. So it was, I I just became very disenchanted and thought, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think I'm going to even work with animals anymore. And so I went into other fields that funny, it's really interesting how how everything worked, that in a couple of teaching work that I did as tutor and so forth, it prepared me for the work I'm doing now. And with my own health issues that were still ongoing, as I began to look into it all, I was fortunate to get a dog into my life who says, you're not going to continue to dally. You're going to blow this wide open for me because I am not accepting how this is, you know, he was not doing well at all with a conventional approach with regular food and conventional care. And so I really, really dug in and did my research and began to apply what I was learning, even with some trepidation. You know, I was still kind of stuck like, oh, I want to go over here until he had an emergency situation. He was about three years old. He was a Neapolitan Mastiff. His name is Shadrach. And the dog changed my life, literally. Um, I was awakened by my husband after two hours, just gone to sleep after a rough week, and he said he was coughing. We had taken him to the veterinarian and couldn't figure out he had some skin issue but it was really interesting because it was exactly parallel on either side of his body. The vet couldn't figure out what it was, so labeled it idiopathic, and we got the standard antibiotics. My dog reacted to those antibiotics with an anaphylactic reaction. He vomited and then aspirated vomit into his lungs and began coughing and hacking. And as a giant wow. breed, I had no idea what was wrong. Yeah, I was pretty scared, and he was 
the first rescue dog I'd ever had, and so I and he had been so horribly abused when he came to us before he came to us and starved nearly to death. So my heart for him was, I want him to have the best. I want him; he deserved the best. So my eyes were really on him, unlike any other dog I'd ever had, because not because the others were any less important, because I could go through and name all the ones that led me to this and why. But because he, you know, my former dog, uh, my golden retriever, Fridge, had cracked the door open with the issues he was having. And I began to peek, but Shadrick said, no peeking, we're done, we're opening and going through. And um, several hundred dollars later, and more antibiotics and veterinary care, I said, this, I am done. This dog was abused at the vet, at the emergency clinic. He had poop all down his backside. He had um, a catheter in the back leg that was swollen up twice normal when we picked him up, and just sicker than he'd ever been. So that began my quest to say, I'm done, I'm moving over here, I'm going to embrace what I know in my heart to be the right thing to do. I'm not going to allow my complacency and my convenience and even my fear to hinder that anymore. And Mm -hmm. here I am. (laughs) What did you do for, I mean, what did you do for him? I'm I'm sure it was natural. Well, I actually went on a search and met a friend who introduced me to essential oils, and I was still reluctant because I had not had good experience with the ones I had purchased from the store, so I went to, um, he sent me some products for his skin. In the meantime, my husband and I began to do what everyone, I believe, ought to do is some deductive reasoning, meaning what could have contributed to the skin issue in the first place that we can eliminate so that he can get balanced again. And we... We figured out the way he was leaning up against the wall on either side where he was losing his fur, and we had recently painted. Oh. So it was the toxic paint in the house that was causing this reaction to him. Once we were able to remedy that, and then I used the products that my new friend, who is still my friend today, sent me, um, then he rallied, and I, I became more intrigued, and I was drawn in. So, yes, I was drawn in through a modality like essential oils. But from there, I segued into, I've got to know the whole story. And I went back to school you know, and got trained. So, Well, I use essential oils for myself, but I've never thought about using it for my uh, dog and cats. So Isn't that funny how sh- a lot of people do it just the other way around. The clients who come to me start with their pets, and then they go, hey, if this is working for my pets, it might work for me. <laughs> Even though typically people use them for themselves, the funny thing is animals instinctively are already doing that in nature. Are you putting this well, in, my, uh, around the nose or, or in no, the water? Never. How are yeah, you? No, because stri- I apply, I pet my dogs with the oils. I diffuse the oils. Um, I um, have even done internal, but I use, you know, a certain brand of oils, and I don't use anything from the store. So let's just put it that way. I use yeah. a real well, pure essential oil. I, I so. see that you, you're using the same brand of oils that I use. Yay! And I do. Awesome. <laughs> I do remember my friend who uses those oils uh, actually um, diffused uh, the thieves for her dog. Mm-hmm. She put mm-hmm. it so that she said it did help. They so, have a whole line my, for my, animals now too. So that's really oh, they really do. been. Okay. Yeah, it's been very helpful yeah. for pet yeah. owners to help them. So, um, especially with things like separation anxiety. So, calming is a big issue. So, that's something I usually address. And funny thing is, the calming is usually for the pet owner, but it really helps the pets too. 
<laughs> I gotta help the pet owner get their emotions under control because a big percentage of what's wrong with our animals is not just that they don't follow the laws of health, especially with nutrition, but the owner is so anxious over things with the pets that they are transferring that all on to them. And oh, yeah. our animals are really, 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 really tuned into us. They're Kim, very I wonder. I was going to ask a question about um, where we live. Uh, there's a lot of allergies in the springtime for humans and animals. I mean, almost every animal owner on my street, their dog has skin uh, problems in the springtime because of all the blooms and everything that's happening here. So what would you suggest for allergies? I mean, You know that allergies allergy. are not a disease or an illness. They're simply a symptom. Um, we're taught to mask that through drugs and medication. But really the allergies, I would start with allergies. Whenever a client comes to me with allergies, I'm going to ask them what they're feeding their pet first. And then I'm going to direct the diet to the proper diet for that species. And then from there we're going to work on at least some palliation, which means, you know, to help them through it. Um, There's so many essential oils that can help with that, which is what I use, but I'm going to focus on that nutrition first and foremost and often a way to help detoxify. I don't believe that al- I used to have allergies and asthma. I do not any longer. And that's because I'll I be- cleaned up my own diet, right? We live in an area all of us have, you know, there's so many chemicals in the air, there's pollen, but it's all of it combined, not to mention what we're eating, what we're feeding our pets, and all the chemicals that are in those. Not just mm-hmm. to mention that's in the packaging alone. If you're eating packaged foods, your refrigerator should look like a garden and not like a, a bunch of boxes and junk. So, uh, and the same is true. My pets don't go to, to the cabinet for their food. They go to the refrigerator for their food. So... That's where I start with allergies. People don't want to hear that. Usually pollens has, but <laughs> the fact remains that is the foundation of all good health. If you build a house and it doesn't have a, a good foundation and it starts to crack and crumble, the whole house is going to come apart, and that's exactly what's happening with our pets. Kim, what about, um, the, what about as far as um, enzymes or things like that? Yep. Is that why you would fix them a more... Um, uh, a fresher kind of meal instead of uh, regular cat or dog food and that kind of thing, or mm-hmm. or how do you you know get the, those enzymes and minerals into the animals? Enzymes and minerals and probiotics are in their natural diet, but when they're brand new to the diet, here's what happens with cats and dogs that are fed a dog an inappropriate diet, which is anything in a bag or can. Um, that diet is not natural to them. Of course, the veterinarian would argue with me, and we could go down that whole hornet's rabbit hole nest thing. <laughs> but um, their, anat- their anatomy and physiology internally has never changed from the wild animal they once were. So domesticity has not changed that physiological, physiological need that they have. So what I tell people is they were typically going to need to supplement with enzymes and probiotics at first. Um, the way I get them to do it is through food most of the time, um, unless the animal's older and really sick, and then I'm going to want to, I will typically suggest a soil-based probiotic for them. And, until the, and, and if they're older, they may have to stay on that. My dog's neither one. I have an older female 
And uh, she's going to be nine this year. We got her when she was seven. My male is three. And neither one of them are on probiotics and enzymes because they get it in their food. They were when we first got them. They no longer are. Soil-based because that's where, I mean, that if they were in the wild, that's exactly how they would be getting them. Um, and they get it in their actual food. So I feed a raw diet, and they get gr- raw green tripe, and that's where they're getting their probiotics and enzymes from. So What is um, that raw raw green what? Tripe. What is tripe? Okay. Tripe, T-R-I-P-E, tripe. You can oh, go to greentripe.com. Oh, okay. So you can go to com and learn more about that there. Okay. Well, my dog was on a um, a raw diet, and then mm-hmm. we almost lost him because of his platelets. Uh, he had to have like three blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. So the veterinarian suggested to me that they usually uh, blame the diet, which food. is not true. <laughs> no, they didn't. They didn't blame the diet. They, they didn't. That's good. In fact, <laughs> Back, she do. thought maybe. Well, he <clears throat> anyway. Uh, it was from a bacterial infection that mm-hmm. started it all. But she said it was dangerous because he's so fragile. If we didn't take care of the raw food properly, that he could, you know, get sick from it. Mm-hmm. It's real hard for me to fathom why they say these things um, because the dog and I don't know why your dog got sick. Could be any number of things. If they've been vaccinated, then their immune systems are compromised. Um, generationally yeah. compromised. They're not just compromised from what you do and from what's been done to them, but from, you know, if you guys will Google, anyone listening, epigenetics, which is spelled E-P-I-G-E-N-E-T-I-C-S, epigenetics, you will learn that environmental and, and even nutrition that your parents grew up with and their parents, the genes are damaged, weakened, distorted and passed on so often what we think is a breed problem is not it was a damaged gene problem from vaccines improper nourishment chemicals um, and we are completely overloaded with the chemical onslaught in our environment from off-gassing furniture to air fresheners to household cleaning products to our personal care products um, from what they put in our water and skies it's it's really invasive, so we have to be diligently helping our bodies and aiding our bodies to detoxify. Um, and some of these things, such as the food, uh, if it's kibble and canned, if it's vaccines, they are going to disrupt our detoxification pathways in our bodies. And then the chemicals can just wreak havoc because they're going to accumulate in the fatty tissues in the body. So they're going to be stored. Unfortunately, when we do switch an animal to a natural diet, a lot of times the body rallies and starts to let out all those toxins into the bloodstream, and then we see what's called a healing crisis, and they can recycle back and forth into the body. And that could have been what happened to your dog, um, that just that those toxins released are recycling back and forth and creating a weaker and weaker state. The dog wasn't strong enough. So there are things that we need to do, like help that detoxification pathways or the eliminative organs be able to open up and release those toxins more freely. So we use drainage products, and, you know, sometimes we can use the essential oils with animals are typically so very damaged because they get such an onslaught. They don't get 
good food, we at least can supplement our diets with some good stuff here and there. They are subject to what we give them and don't have access as they did when they were wild and free range. I see a lot of my neighborhood dogs who get out of their yards. How they do, I don't know, but maybe they're just that desperate. And they are the first thing they're doing is hunting and foraging. The oh. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah they need so. to supplement their diet in some way. And I was just yeah, thinking that they, they, they have that that uh, they have the live meat and everything else. Mm-hmm. You Is that why they mm-hmm. eat grass? Yes. They, uh, yes. Yes. My dog eats grass. My dogs. So. My dogs are fed a raw diet, but they they still you know because my where I live mice are going to especially this time of year they're going to come into the yard and everything and I have a American bully who, you know, with that terrier in him, he fixates. I've got to get that mice, that mice. The, the mice, um, they're, luck, they're lucky to live in my yard because <laughs> he will get them. So, uh, And any rabbits do not longer, any longer venture into our yard either. They used to with my great dame because he was just like, whatever. You know, he was just pretty laid back about it all. But not this one. He won't, he doesn't want. Even birds, he's nearly caught a couple of birds because, and and I don't know if he'll eat them or not. I would probably let him if he did. So, I mean, you know, that's just how nature works. And I am grew up um, around farm people in my own family, so I'm pretty much more, maybe a little more realistic and grounded than a lot of people are today. They're afraid of these things. And while I don't like it, you know, I saw a bunny get hit by a car the other day, and, you know, we have rabbits all over the place where I'm at, and he was still twitching, and I thought, Oh, that upset me because it was a bunny, but he was dispatched really readily by the coyotes and the crows that are out here. So, you know, nature doesn't waste anything, and it sounds hard to people, but nature is brutal and beautiful simultaneously. It's just well, the way if we it don't is. interrupt so, it. <laughs> right, yeah. if we don't, and we do, but I don't have a problem no, I, with that at all. So, you know, my, my dog is always... Circle of life stuff is fine with me. Well, my dog, I'm going to go back to him again. He's allergic to flea bites, and that's what mm-hmm. started his infection. So what's a natural way? Yeah, he is. To, to combat fleas? Um, I use, again, I go back to the nutrition. You've got to start there. If you don't start there, you're band-aiding. If you don't start with the nutrition, it's just going to be um, an issue. And then... Um, I would use, I don't like using food grade DE on their coats, but it works really well to get rid of those things for some people, not for everybody. I have never used it on mine because it leaves their coat kind of gritty and dusty, and um, you don't want them inhaling it because it works on what it does to the parasite, and I don't even like to think of the parasite as the issue because they don't really think of parasites as a parasite. They're just a, a life um, a life force on this planet that we're here for a reason. And we have, at our council, we have really delved into that because it needs to be, it's all part of the ecology. And parasites are really a cleanup crew that come in to get rid of yeast. The flea is getting rid of, that's what they're doing. They're feeding on the yeast that's uh, an overgrowth. And most of our pets today have that problem because they're being fed an improper diet. So, Again, it creates this whole imbalance and in, in cycle and then also superbugs because we are contributing to that just with the wrong nutrition. So, um, But a lot of people will use food-grade diatomaceous earth. Um, I prefer to use the essential oils that I use. And, again, I, 
you know, don't recommend going to the store and just purchasing one there because it's an unregulated industry, and a lot of those ones you see in the store that say they're 100% pure, they might be 5% pure, and the rest synthetic, and the synthetics are a problem. Not to mention if they're grown with pesticides distilled improperly and everything. It's kind of like the difference between your cheap junk wine that you see winos drinking <laughs> on the street versus a, a really well-raised, um, uh, you know, wine-grown and, and, and um fine Chardonnay or something, you know, it's, there's, there's a huge difference in that, and that's the same is true with essential oils. So you really need to know so you the have a, you have a book. You have a book on that uh, for we do. oils for pets. Um, yeah, my colleagues and I wrote that. Um, the two, uh, my my co-founder and colleague and co-host and best friend, um, Dr. Jeannie Thomason, and also Dr. Sarah Regan, who is our equine instructor at our school. Um, it's essential oils in animal care: a naturopathic approach. What what is the uh, website there so people can grab that book or look at it? Um, they can go to Amazon.com and get the book. Um, I also have a link for it on my website uh, under uh, uh, natural health products. So if they go to the aromatherapy um, link, is and that then, animal um, talk? Is that animal talk uh, naturally dot com? That's our podcast. No, it would be aspenbloompetcare.com. So Will you Aspen, please spell like that? The yes. A- so Aspen A S S P E N, then B as in boy L O O M. PetCare.com. Okay, that's good. So people can look at that. Um, I also see you're say in most cases you'd suggest soil-based probiotics, enzymes, fulvic Mm -hmm. humic acid. Fulvic humic acid, yep. Okay, and uh, when needed, minerals and glandulars. So, it depends. I use the glandulars primarily if their diet isn't varied enough, if they don't have enough different um, organs. And, you know, a whole. Uh, a lot of people feed what's called a prey model diet, meaning they're feeding the whole animal. And in that context, they're pretty much going to get everything they need. Um, it's hard for people in different areas. In my area, it's a lot harder to get it that way, so I feed more of what's called a Frankenprey. You think of Frankenstein, we think of Frankenprey. I feed, feed various body parts, so I will supplement with glandulars. I have a female that's spayed, so she has some incontinence, and the glandulars can assist with that. Um, oh. Uh, yeah, and that's one thing that I'll suggest to clients that have a female that's incontinent. Um, and it just depends on, you know, if the diet is really rich and varied and you have a lot of meat and protein sources. You know, I know people that can get every kind of anything, you know, where I'm more limited here to maybe four different kinds of proteins. Um, so it depends on the very, the varied and if it's more natural uh, to, what, to what a dog would eat in the wild. Uh, okay. And they're going to eat a lot more red meat than people think. So... Um, but they'll eat whatever they can. <laughs> I see the coyotes eating everything. So then I also use the fulvic humic acid. It's um, This is a really, and I have a, an article that's in-depth on my blog about that and linked on my natural health care products page. I don't sell the product, but I advocate it and even a, a reference to a company that is an organic company. It's a company that creates products for, enriching the soils for organic farms. And this is a supplement that is 
would typically and ought to be in our soils and then being fed to the herbivores, which then in turn are fed to the carnivores. But unfortunately, often isn't nowadays with our, you know, uh, conventionally conventional fertilizers and all of the toxins and pesticides put on. So the fulvic humic acid is going to give them back into their bodies what's missing in its primary mineral imbalance. It's going to help with detoxification. It's going to make the coats nicer and softer. It, it does. It's it's a huge difference in my dogs since I put them on it, and they need so very little of it. So it's really it's a nice product. Goes a long ways. Very inexpensive um, when you get it from the right sources. And actually, there really is well. uh, there's humans that can use that fulvic humic acid. Yeah, they actually. It yeah, is they, available. They, yeah. Yes. And it's fulvic. Yeah, I, F I Frank U L V I C dash H U M I C. And um, Kim, you. is there a phone number where people can actually connect with you? I usually have them go through a process, and I'll tell you guys why. Because otherwise, they'll be calling me all the time. <laughs> so okay. I have them go to my website under the consultation page and let me look at uh, what their needs are. They'll usually contact me via email. So they can contact me at Dr. Kim at AspenBloomPetCare.com. And then I will go back and forth with them a little bit, and then we determine what they need. Some people are already doing all this, so we can do a phone consultation. Um, some need the full-blown thing from A to Z, and I have a total wellness program that's already put together online on demand that they can go through and learn bite sizes at a time. And then if they need my guidance additionally, I can work with them in addition to that. So back to um, the food the animal's eating, I was buying uh, frozen meat mm-hmm. before I took him off, my dog off of it. Is there something you should be looking for when you get a brand? Because the pet I don't stores buy don't, you any know, commercial food for, you know, I mean, it's a nice start, but the commercial foods will often have ingredients in it that I think ought not to be in a carnivore diet, for example, grains and vegetables. I will get a lot of argument on that, but when you look at what a carnivore needs, truly, truly needs, they're going to get the phytonutrients they need in the within the animal that they're consuming. That herbivore or omnivore has already assimilated all the vegetation into their bodies, and it's in their bodies, and that translates and digests as pre-assimilated for the carnivore. So I don't feed anything that has vegetables or organs in it. My dogs might get some fruit now and then during in-season, berries in particular, and only in-season, and just as they would in the wild. So that's I've, not something... That's what humans need. It's not what the carnivore needs. Um, with them, I, I feed my dogs what you would buy at a butcher. Okay. And there are also carnivore get- suppliers where you can buy big pieces and chunks of meat. I know plenty of carnivore suppliers, and I even have linked to a Yahoo group that you can join to find out about suppliers in your area, or you can simply go. I go to a, the butcher that we use is um, all organic grass-fed animals because I don't want the hormones and antibiotics being fed into my dog that, that herbivores have been fed. So. And the humans should be eating that also. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I agree. And so we buy ours at the same place that we buy for ourselves for our dogs. And 
you know, we're we're buying not the best prime cuts for them, obviously, and we're buying the parts that the humans don't typically eat, but our dogs get, you know, chicken, beef, turkey, and lamb when it's available. I would love to be able to get them goat and um, other, you know, venison and so forth. Haven't found a hunter yet that's willing to give me stuff. I've even said, you know, give me the stuff that's freezer burned that you're going to toss out and not feed. Give that to me for my dogs. The freezer burn's not going to hurt them. And how, uh, how about fish? Is fish with good fish? For them? I don't. We feed our dogs fish sometimes, but you know, again, you want it wild caught, and and especially if it's salmon, there is a. Uh, parasite that's been uh, in the farmed ones that can cause a problem in the canine. So the best thing is to just freeze your meat, make sure it's frozen. Ours goes into a deep freezer, and, you know, we don't, as we get it, you know, they've had, we will buy their food regularly, but some of it will, they're already eating the stuff that's been frozen for a while. So then we defrost and feed, and I feed necks, backs, um, you know, just a variety of things that they get. They'll get even the the cheap, you know, almost about to expire chuck roasts and stuff like that. So, I have yeah. a question. Sometimes people say not to feed a dog a bone to chew on because it, it'll not be healthy for their teeth. It'll, you know, chip their teeth or whatever. I So what do you think about that? I think that's crazy. They're a carnivore. And they they can chip their tooth. Yes, dogs have been known to do that. If they're given two, if you look at the carcasses left behind by the wolves or even lions, if you're watching any of the wildlife stuff, which I do a lot, what they're leaving behind is the great big weight-bearing bones. Um, somebody dumped part of a deer out here where we were at, and I watched daily. The coyotes would be hauling off stuff and the crows, but the big weight-bearing parts, you know, the femur and so forth, was left behind. So they weren't eating those things. They were eating um, the smaller bones, um, the neck bones. They were eating. And they eat parts of the, you know, the smaller ribs, so forth. They're eating the smaller bones in the body, and the big bones just eventually will degrade. And that's why you see the big skulls left out and everything in the wild, you know, and in the desert. And it's it just watch nature. I mean, really, we have to take back a little bit of cognitive thinking there and think through how they would process that. My dogs get bones all the time. And have there been obstructions? Yes, they can also choke and have obstructions with other things like toys and socks and all kinds of things. So it's really just doing your due diligence and being uh, watching your dogs. Our dogs are monitored when they're eating. We know what they're eating. We watch them, and we know what they what they can and can't handle. Um, but definitely they should never have a cooked bone. That's going to cause much more of a problem. So raw definitely, never cooked. Well, um, I, another thing I read, have to clean read on your... You know, I'm sorry, you should <laughs> yeah, not have to take a dog to the de- have a dental done. They should be getting that done through their food. Now, I also read on your um, website about a product that's made out of mushrooms that you use for, like, some, uh, from a, to keep dogs from getting tumors and that type of thing. Well, it's a uh, formulas. It's um, a... It's called canine adaptogen, and yes, I've used it with animals that have had overgrowth of yeast all the way to um, those that oh. uh, have had, yeah, so have had, uh, 
you know, skin problems, tumors. It's a really interesting company that we were introduced to and have had this particular owner of the company on our show a couple of times. He's very knowledgeable on the whole how the whole fungus and mushrooms work. There's a wonderful documentary out there that will help bring and shed a little light on that whole topic for you. It's called The Magical Forest, put out by the BBC. It's a great documentary and how everything is connected and works together and how the fungi are an, a critical component to um, nutrition in our diets. It's greatly lacking, again. Um, our ancestors had it, but we don't. We don't eat a lot of the stuff that kept them healthy and strong, and uh, the same is true of our animals. Um, it's not something I believe, you know, part of the thing about what Americans have a tendency to do is to, they think if something's good, they have to give more of it and give it all the time. But I always believe in balance over time, and that's that's why we vary the food. That's why we don't give all the supplements all the time. You know, there's always variation. You know, my dogs might get a couple of raw eggs a couple times a week, um, they might get the organs um, mixed in here and there, um, you know, once or twice a week. They get, they, you know, having the mushrooms all the time, it can build. It's, there is a, and you can read about this on their website, um, at the company that I use, that I purchase through. And the price is the same through me or through them. So usually my clients are coming to me and then having me guide them through, and that's the way the company prefers it because then they can depend on me to guide that client on what their needs are and when to stop it. Um, so how, when how many it. days in a row would you do? Because well, I'm thinking I about for my... I do maintenance, but yeah, with my dogs, I just do... Um, I have a dog that does have a couple of small tumors, and so I've had her on it for a while, whereas... And my male doesn't, so he only gets it a couple times a week. And he doesn't okay, have any because my... in his ears or anything. He does in his paws. Keep in mind, these two dogs yeah, my... came to me already damaged, meaning they were already vaccinated, yeah. kibble-fed, the whole nine. So I'm undoing damage is what I'm doing. Yeah, well, my dog has tr- problems with yeast, so I'm thinking about maybe ordering some. might be a really good thing. I know it could take a long time. I'm going to warn people that nature is slow, but sure, man wants everything expedient and fast, right? And and nature says, take your time, (laughs) and there's a reason why. Um, It just does. It just takes time. And I'm really patient. You know, I'm not a patient person except for when I'm dealing with this, and I expect things to take time and take a while. You know, I've slowly watched her uh, and the funny thing is that the tumor came about after we switched her to the raw diet, and people might freak out and wonder why is that so. Think about what I said earlier about the eliminative organs being backed up, the detoxification problem, um, process being backed up, drainage not happening like it ought to. So the body is going to take toxins and put it into a pocket, which we call a tumor. So that's really a garbage can. It has nowhere else to put it. And when you know, we cut that garbage can off, we're actually going to cause that stuff to go systemic into the bloodstream. So yeah. I just I just address it. If it was huge, it would be maybe a whole different approach, but it's not. It keeps slowly going away. Kim, I have a question. Um, you know, I know that acupuncturists say not to eat like, um, you know, heart or liver or that kind of thing from uh, for humans, because it's the the waste um, gla- uh, glandulars that come from animals that really injure us, 
And so I wonder if that's not the same for animals as well. Would not be for your carnivore because they're number one. All animals typically are scavengers, and they will eat what they need to thrive. Doesn't mean that it's good for them. You know, I mean, they might eat chocolate. A dog or a cat doesn't mean it's good for them. But backing up to answer your question, they are scavenger carnivore designed to digest and eat those things. Okay. They have well, a whole you'd want to make sure they. Their pH is different than ours. The problem is that we're trying to feed them like us, where we have a pH that's normal in between 6 and 7 pH that keeps us much more alkaline. Their pH, their normal, even though we all need to be alkaline to be healthy, right, they, their pH is about 1 because they have a high, high hydrochloric acid in their stomachs that's going to complete their food digest in the stomach. So it's going to digest and kill all that any you know pathogen that could be a problem for us won't be for them. Secondly, they do not have digestive enzymes in their mouth that's going to digest. They do have enzyme that will go after bacteria. So all that saliva you see your dogs drooling when you're going to feed them something, that's so that they can slide that food that they were designed to eat, rip, tear, shred, pulverize, slide it into their stomach and begin digesting there. We're hmm. not. Well, plus we start you'd want it in our mouth. Right. Pardon you would, me? You'd want, to, you'd want to make sure that the organs were organic. I mean, without antibiotics. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I typically, um, all of mine usually are. The only one that we have the hardest time getting organic would be the tripe. Um, Just depends on where they got that animal from. But, you know, again, it's not going to be perfect, neither is our diet. So we do the best we can. And I'd still rather see people feed a raw diet than to feed the packaged food any day. I can't work with a client and help them if they're not willing to start there. So I can kind of just point them to some things that they can aid and maybe palliate that symptom, but it won't heal anything if they really want to see huge progress in their animal. My dog came to me, my old girl, she came to me um, as her coat felt like you were touching straw. It was so dry and brittle and horrible. She was frail. She had, I, I could look at her, just look at her eyes and know this dog was sick, and so we just put her on the diet. She had digestive problems. People will freak out and say she vomited. She had diarrhea. And I was like, did she really vomit or did she regurgitate? Did she just not get it down good enough? You've had her on an alkaline diet for a carnivore that doesn't, her digestive enzymes and everything haven't fully come into its fullness, and you're expecting her to digest a meal that she hasn't been ready to do yet. So they will often regurgitate and then swallow it back down. That's what she did. She had diarrhea. She had some foamy vomit. It's all part of the process. If she were horribly sick and vomiting all the time, it would be different, but it wasn't. I knew it. So, wow. Um, well, yeah, you and really, I knew she was going to have diarrhea and so forth. That was in lots of lots of gas. <laughs> well, I would assume. I would assume. I would assume a, 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 a human that's been on a vegetarian diet for years trying just to eat meat, that that might happen also. <laughs> it would. It would definitely happen, or even vice versa. When you go off of a meat diet into a vegetarian diet, your body's also going to detoxify and cleanse out, so that's also going to happen. So it's the same thing. It's just that when our, it's happening to our animals, we panic and think we have to go put them on some drug or medicine. And I just let the process go on with her, and if you felt her coat now, oh, my gosh, it's like this thick, rich, I have my built-in live fur. <laughs> you know, I can just luxuriate in her fur on her. It's really nice and soft. And she does not look like the same dog. With She has musculature because she gets 
you know, we get to go on our walk, long walks every day, and she's eating the right food and getting love and attention that I was fairly certain she didn't get. Um, she's really blossoming in her personality and her emotions. So it was all just a process, but it's taken two years, and people want to tell me, how long is this going to take? It's been a month. <laughs> You know, like, okay, this is not how nature works. It takes time, and you have to just stay the course and be patient and trust the process. That's why the eighth law is to trust. Yeah. Kim, what about fur balls and things like that? Yeah, again, that's also greatly eliminated, if not if not lessened, it's eliminated when they go to a raw diet. Cats in particular really need to be on a raw diet. Dogs are obligate just as much as cats. We've come to that conclusion whether anyone wants to agree with this or not because they are dependent upon that. They seem to be a little, you know, cats can scavenge also and do, but cats really need to be. If you turn a cat loose outdoors, they're going to go hunt. That's yeah. their instinct Wait, to still go you know what my cat does? Because he's so fed with the wrong food. But anyway, uh, he brings <laughs> he brings home he brings home birds and and mice and stuff, and he doesn't eat them. He just leaves oh, them in the front door. I'm telling you, mom, here's a present for you, and this is what I like. <laughs> but you, you you never know. I mean, you just sound. Cats are consummate hunters. They have never lost the art of hunting. Our dogs yeah. have some. You know, I heard of a dog that was. He went overboard on a yacht that he was on. It was an American, I'm sorry, it was an Australian cattle dog. And they, the owners were frantic, couldn't find him, thought they'd lost him. Five months this dog survived on an island, eating what? The wild goats that were on that island. He survived. <coughs> and they were yeah. able to reunite this dog after, you know, somebody found him there and so forth. And um, what went through my mind was, oh, no, did they put him back on kibble? <laughs> <laughs> eating wild goat while he was on the island but you know and this was in the news it was really interesting that this, they were able to reunite him with the owners but the dog survived he still went he went back to his instincts and back to what he really is mm-hmm. can awesome. talk about lost dogs what do you think about microchips oh <laughs> that is a hornet's nest <laughs> in and of itself right Oh, my goodness. I just, I'm opposed to it for humans and for animals. Um, It's got a frequency in it that is a positive frequency. You can even read that on the um, AVMA's website, uh, that there is a frequency being admitted, like a radio frequency. And that frequency, a positive frequency is going to cause an imbalance in the body. A negative frequency, you know, will do the, so you want the right kind of frequency in the body to be healthy. The body starts to go into different frequencies, you know, you start to go down into the 50s and 40s in frequency, you're in grave illness at this point, and it's the truth with the animals. Unfortunately, my dog has one of those, and, again, that's where one of the tumors are. Hmm, interesting, right? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, and you can look up a whole lot of information on that. And I wrote an article on that subject because it's a really touchy one for me and several veterinarians that I know. Kim, well, you have a, a, Kim. Just a minute. Let me. You know what? We have just about two minutes left, and I want. I really want to let people know, you have a living library of information <laughs> on your website. It's just gorgeous. And <clears throat> so, again, the uh, website is aspenbloompetcare.com, and Aspen is A S P E N Bloom. 
PetCare.com. It is gorgeous. Please, um, you know, go there. It, it's really so helpful and so beautiful. We, we, um, yeah, is there anything that we have forgotten to cover that you want to cover the last uh, minute or so? Oh, I don't think so, other than, you know, there's a whole huge issue about the whole vaccine thing. But, boy, do I cover that on my website, too, in depth. And definitely in our programs, we cover it. So in a way that will help people to get the facts without the hype and without the emotions and make a definitive decision about them for themselves. Um, And all of those go together. I just would say, go ahead, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's in my dog's chart at the veterinarian office. No vaccines. Mm-hmm. So good for you. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's been so great having you with us, and um, <clears throat> we're Please. gonna have to keep up with you here. <laughs> the time went way, way, way too fast. But I very much appreciate you having me on your show today. Thank you both so much. Oh, oh, you're Blessings welcome. You. Yes. Bye, bye now. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.